Hey, everybody, what's going on? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this week's episode of the podcast, the still untitled hockey podcast here on the Bullpen Card podcast feed. It is myself, Greg Piatelli, and Mark Higgins breaking down the NHL for you. We're a little bit past the midseason point of the NHL season. We're through the All-Star game. We're getting into the home stretch, about 30 games left. We break everything down. Well, almost everything. There were some Western Conference teams that we did miss, but we will jump back into those on the next episode. But the Eastern Conference, some trade deadline rumors. We jump into all of that. It was a lot of fun to record. Let us know what you think. As always, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Search the bullpen cart wherever you get your podcasts. Smash that subscribe button. Leave a five-star review. Follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram is the handle there. But enjoy the episode. Enjoy the hockey. We will talk to you next time. And here we go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bullpen Card Podcast, the still untitled hockey podcast here on the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. That is right. We are back to talking some hockey. Football season is over. Baseball is still locked out, and hopefully we'll be back in time for opening day. But the NHL is in its full swing. We are through the All-Star game. There was no Olympic break, which we will talk about in a few minutes here. But the trade deadline's coming up, so we are catching up with the two boys from Boston. We will start with the prophet himself, Mr. Greg Piatelli. How are you, my friend? I don't know that I just, I earned that or, or deserve that uh, that the moniker, Jordy. <laughs> the moniker. I don't know that that's uh, that that fits anymore. Wait till the playoffs. I feel like uh, I'm getting that's out of This is a long time overdue. This is a long time overdue. I feel like we have been talking and texting about the NHL privately in our group chat, and we haven't done a pod since the beginning of the year. So shame on you, Jordy, for caring about the NFL more than than us in the NHL. <laughs> Well, to be fair, no, you know, kidding. life got no, a little busy. Life got a little busy for me, for Greg, for Mark, for Matty D. The month of the month of uh, November, you know, we we had a lot of stuff going on, so we didn't even have a lot of football podcasts then. But then December got all crazy. Then I got COVID, and then uh, you know, January the football playoffs were in swing, and you guys were busy with work. But let's introduce Mark, Mister Mark Higgins. How are <laughs> you, my friend? I'm doing great. Woo! Good, great to be back, Jordy. Great to be back. I've missed doing this with you guys. We got about 30 games left in the NHL season, so things are just heating up. Trade oh, deadlines yeah. on the horizon. So, you know, I'm pumped to talk some hockey um, and ready to get going here. Let's do it. Absolutely. But so we are in the middle of a day game matinee slate. The Flyers are currently playing. They're down 2 1 at the first intermission. The Boston Bruins just took down the Colorado Avalanche 5-1. to one. But before we jump into the NHL slate, we mentioned it. The Olympics just ended. The Canadian women's national team, we will start with the women, took down our American women on Thursday night, technically Friday morning. Or it was Wednesday night, technically Thursday morning. Canada just completely outspeeding the U.S. in the first period. The, the U.S. got down big and clawed their way back. They got close. Close to the end, but Canada manages to pull off the victory. And 
a number of different things happened from that. They obviously did not win four years ago. The U.S. won, so they regained the gold medal. Sarah Nurse became the first black woman to win a gold medal in hockey, which is pretty awesome. And looking through this, the Mark, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the game, the women's gold medal game, drew the largest hockey audience in the United States in over three years, and it has eclipsed every single NHL game in the current 2021-2022 season, which is pretty cool to hear about. Mark, we'll start with you, so you can correct me if I was wrong on that stat. What did you think of this game? Yeah, 3.54 million viewers, uh, more than any game this season in the NHL, and second most watched hockey game in the U.S. since 2019. That shocked me. I did not um, expect that, but that's... Yeah, especially for an 11 o'clock start. Yeah, it's great to hear. I mean, women's game's growing. That's awesome. Yep. Um, I watched... I had a game that night, so then I came home ready to just, you know, juices were still flowing, wasn't ready for that just yet, so it was good timing for me, but, um, so yeah, I watched, and um, Canada pretty much, like, had the puck the whole time, were dominating, I mean, when U.S. would come down to shoot, they were all outside shots, non-threatening, non-gray area scoring chances, there was sort of just shooting it from far out, Uh, there's this girl on Canada I think she's like 30 this is her third Olympics and she's just dominating like I've never seen a girl hockey their player captain? Pauline? Yeah. Pauline yeah yeah I guess she has like nine gold medal goals that's insane nine gold medal game goals she was unbelievable um Greg and I know Kendall Coyne from from Berkshire she's yep. a really good player but uh, yeah, they had my, girls my sister's year yeah they're they, they their defensemen were matching her speed um and I think I went to bed with like 10 minutes left and Canada was up 3-1. I didn't really have faith in, in our girls. What a fan I am. But that's my take. <laughs> yeah, they um they definitely clawed their way back. We we mentioned we forgot to mention they had that missed opportunity earlier in the game. They I forget which player it was, but she pulled a goal or pulled a shot wide of the goal, wide open. Um and they had their opportunities and they really had to bring not necessarily their A plus game, but they had to bring their A game and they certainly didn't. Canada certainly did and you know, Hillary Knight did her best when she scored that shorthanded goal in the second period. It's kind of wild to see Canada's uh, their power play percentage is high, but their penalty kill and the amount of shorthanded goals they've let up, I thought was granted it's a small tournament, but I thought it was uh, kind of funny to see with how many score- goals they've scored. Greg, I'll let you jump in. What did you think of this game? Yeah, Jordy, I'm surprised you didn't uh, talk about the other Berkshire grad. Uh... Well, she didn't graduate. She just went for one year and was incredible. Jill Saunier. Um, and then Marie, she, uh, the, the Canadian, uh, captain there, yeah. she went to BU. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Another connection. That, uh, uh, Jill's brother, Brennan plays for the Phantoms, the Flyers AHL team. Nice. Yeah, yeah no, I, um, <clears throat> so the women's tournament, which we're starting with, um, I think that if you watched any of the games or goals and mutual opponents, Canada from the first game outscored and blew everyone out. Um, I think the U S got up early in, in their round robin game, which is sort of why it was closer. Um, and it, that, that championship game, I know it ended three, two, but it was a blow off from the beginning. Canada's up three, nothing early. It was an unbelievable individual effort by Hillary Knight to make it three, one. And then the U S scored with what, 20 seconds left to yeah, make three, on, two, on, so. on the six on four power play. Yeah, so realistically, it was it was over in the first, but um, 
that was Canada's tournament to win. I think U.S. wants um, their assistant captain there. Uh, Brianna Decker. Like yeah, broke her leg, ankle, knee, whatever, and one of the more gruesome injuries we've all seen. Uh, I think that was sort of a huge blow to the U.S. And, and while they were able to get by on everyone else's talent, you know, to beat a team like Canada, you need you need top to bottom. You need someone like her to, to sort of step up. So um all in all it was a great tournament great hockey and unbelievable stat that you know they were able to bring in more viewers than like you were saying than any nhl game this year and, and as far back as 2019 so unbelievable and great for women's hockey great for hockey in general and all in all it was a great game yeah absolutely i think you you hit the nail on the head there canada was blowing everybody out the u.s had some close games in the quarters and the semis i believe it was 2-2 entering the third and I forget if it was the quarters or the semis, but kind of to your point, Canada was never in doubt, and the U.S. even even if you thought it wasn't a doubt, you get the fourth straight U.S. or third straight U.S. Canada final that they you know they played some closer games. But yeah, the number the second most watched in 2019. Thank you for the correction there, Mark. It's pretty awesome. Obviously, we haven't had any real international competition aside from the women's world championships, which could get up there. But we've also had World Juniors, which you know, there was Canada US in the final last year. We have news that they're rescheduling the World Juniors after they got canceled this year because of COVID. They'll be coming in August for the, I guess, technically 2022 year. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the numbers, it, it's awesome to see. Like you said, it's growing the game, getting people involved and, and interested in the game, especially for an 11 o'clock start, I think is pretty awesome on a weeknight that you can get people excited for it. Maybe it means that people on the West Coast are watching it too, which. You know, the non-traditional hockey markets, if you will, starting to watch that more with, you know, more diversity and, and all that good stuff. And it's exciting to see. But, Greg, I'll throw it over to you because you mentioned it, that there was a men's tournament. There was no NHL players there, which because we never did a podcast after the start of the season where NHL players were supposed to go. For those that don't know, COVID prevented the NHLPA from wanting to go because there was a whole thing that they might have to get stuck in China for five weeks. So they decided not to. Hence why the Flyers and Bruins played today. These were makeup games from games that got postponed. But Greg, you watched a lot more of the men's tournament than I did, so you break this thing down for us. Yeah, I think um, start to finish, you know, you think four years ago it was Russia's tournament, right, to lose, and they had all these unbelievable players and former players, and it didn't really shake out that way um, too much in the preliminary rounds. It was pretty close, you know, the the – jacking for position. I mean, the U.S. ended up beating Canada, beating Germany, beating uh, China. Germany, four years ago, they were the team of destiny. They won the silver medal, right? And they uh, they sort of had an early exit. Didn't really, I think they didn't even make it past the the first round of the, of the playoff rounds, if you will. Um, so, you know, that was sort of a, a huge three games for the U.S. If we're sticking just to Team USA, they were went with half young kids, half college kids, um, and then some veteran guys and former Bruin, um, defenseman, Mark, who was that guy? Uh, Jordi Lalt. From which team? The USA, former Bruin, Camfer. There you go. Thank you. Okay, there you go. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, you know, you know, former Bruins better than I would. Yeah, no, he won the Stanley Cup with them, but he did great, uh, looked great. So USA <clears throat> got the bye, you know, looking, doing well. And then they go up against Slovakia and they go up against this kid named Slavoski, Jara Uh, This kid wearing the cage, 17 years old, 
if four years ago was Kirill Kaprizov's coming out party, scoring the golden goal, this kid for Slovakia leading the leading the tournament, seven goals, unbelievable shot, unbelievable game. Every time he was on the ice, granted he was in the first line for them, but for Slovakia, who ended up winning the bronze medal, first medal they've won ever in their in their history. Uh, this kid is if he's not the number one pick, he should be top three for sure. He's going to be unreal. He's already a physical specimen. I think he's like six four, six three. So um, keep an eye out for him. If I got his name wrong, hundred percent. I did. Uh, and then Finland out of nowhere, winning their first ever gold medal as a, as a country, which was, uh, I think huge for them and, and Sweden losing yet again, another bronze medal game, getting blown out by Slovakia, but, uh, and then Russia defending their gold by winning silver. What do you guys think about, I mean, team USA, if you want me to break it down, if, unless someone else wants to talk, but team USA, Unbelievable three, three and oh, uh, in the round robin, then to get to the playoffs. And the team like Slovakia ended up winning the bronze, but the U.S. was all over there from the beginning. They just couldn't score, right? They were up one nothing, Slovakia tied it, then, or Slovakia was up one nothing, U.S. went up two one, Slovakia tied it with a six on five situation real late in the game. Three minutes of, or 10 minutes of three on three overtime. The U.S. can't score. They hit the post literally four times. Uh, and then they lost in a shootout. I think, I don't think they scored one goal in the shootout. They ran to a hot goalie. The U S was a team built for speed and they ran onto a physical team and they just didn't score. If they had scored even two more goals early and made it a three to one or a four to one, I don't think Slovakia is able to come back. I mean, even three to one, I don't think that Slovakia is able to come back, but the fact it was a one goal game the whole time sort of made me nervous. And everyone else who watched that game, I'm sure was in the same boat because yeah, we'd be having a different conversation uh, if they were able to score and that, and that, you know, call it what you will, but uh, you know, that was a uh, interesting, interesting to see. And uh, Jordy, I'm excited to see this summer world juniors with all these young U S kids, like peak shape. What are they going to look like? Just going to say that. Yeah. So it's going to be, it's still the, the same age group, right? Like it's not going to be the next class. It's the guys that were on these rosters, even though they might yeah, but- be, they might be technically too old now. Yeah, but a kid like Sean Farrell, was he on the World Junior team this year? He was on the Olympic team, plays for Harvard as a freshman, sure. had three goals and That's four what I'm games. wondering. Like, will they have retryouts? Like yeah. Or is it going to be right. the same? Like, Because technically, right, it's it's U20. So, like, if guys that are now 20 that weren't 20 in January, like, because what, it would be the 2020 gra- draft class, right? That's what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So, right. like, are guys that got drafted last year now eligible that are still going to be eligible in January. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, yeah, that was, that's going to be interesting to see what happens this summer, but no, it good for, good for Finland. Good for Slovakia. Um, pump that Russia didn't, uh, didn't win the gold, but um, I guess that's just a bias. And then well, you hit the nail on the head and I wanted to, Oh, what a great goal from Patrick Brown. High ball game. Uh, keep an eye out for this Slavoski kid. He's this kid is the real deal. He is unreal. Yeah, again, you kind of mentioned like, it, like first four. medals for countries. Like, obviously, bummer, no NHL players and, like, what could have been with the U.S. roster that saw there or what could have been with the Canadian roster that got rumored for so long of what that could have what that could have looked like. But, like, getting Finland's first medal, first gold, Slovakia's first medal, and how many different players from both of those countries are just superstars and have been superstars in the NHL. And you mentioned Germany, who got silver four years ago, Russia, who still can put out KHL super rosters and doesn't end up winning. But like 
seeing this and seeing now the number of German players that have jumped into the NHL and that are high draft picks and stuff like that, like, obviously Finland has a number of NHL players, like I just mentioned, but, like, seeing what the impact here could be and seeing what can happen and going forward and seeing NHL rosters, you know, get more European in that, in that sense and diversification. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see. And I, and I think it's fun to see other countries jump in there, especially when it is just these non NHL players, players from European leagues, from, you know, from colleges, from the KHL and all that sort of stuff. So it is exciting to see, obviously, hopefully, we're completely in the rearview mirror with COVID in 2026 in Italy when we get uh hopefully get NHL rosters back in there and finally get the super tournament we want if the World Cup isn't really coming back. And there's some rumors that it might, but, you know, we've waited long enough to, to try to get a best on best hockey tournament. Are you talking about the dud that David Krejci and Czech Republic put up? Yeah. I guess they had, and even Canada. I was surprised Canada didn't. Yeah, I was surprised Canada didn't, didn't push harder too. I was surprised that they went three and zero in their in their round robin play. I mean, like you mentioned, a number of a number of different guys. Like one of the Cates brothers was on that team and scored a couple goals there. Uh, some of his brothers are are on the Flyers. I think their contracts are owned by the Flyers, but I think they're on the Phantoms now. Um, one might be still Stahl, on the taxi squad, but Eric Stahl. Yeah, Eric Stahl was out there. Whose brother Jordan now uh, taking his captaincy with. Uh, with Carolina, but you know, um, overall, I feel like successful tournament, right? How yeah. did Krejci look, Greg? Uh, not, I didn't watch a ton of him, their games, but he didn't, he, uh, only had four points and they, uh, and one goal and three assists and they didn't win. They didn't win their first playoff game. So he, uh, not great. They didn't have a great record. So, the rest of the team around him must not have been great. Finland but. looks like they had a ton of NHL guys, like Vladim, Valtteri, Filpula, Leo Komarov, Sammy Vatanen. Yeah, Finland Finland had a bunch of experience and a bunch of former players for sure. Uh, That's surprising, Vatanen. I forgot he was like not he's not an active NHL player. Like he was a solid dude a couple of years ago. Sammy Vatanen, yeah, he's, yeah, he's still pretty young too. Yeah, exactly. Like That's what I mean. He's not old, like. You know, the fact that he's not on an active roster, you think like somebody might try to look at him post deadline. I don't know what the deal is with signing dudes. I mean, obviously, there's the Evander Kane signing and they had to, like, do something funky with the signing bonus so that you get the the prorated cap hit. But I don't know. That could be something that you get that you see out of this. Yeah, I think he'll be back in NHL. He's only 30. So, yeah. But I, I didn't mean to player. interrupt you there. I, I heard his name and he was a big uh, NHL franchise mode guy for me. So I. uh have a special place in my heart for him, <laughs> despite the fact that he played on the Devils forever. He didn't. I don't think he had that great of a tournament. No. Always high yeah, rated anyway. in the NHL. All right. Well, so any other Olympic talk? Or should we move on? Why I is it? Think they should... Sorry, good. I think they should do something in the summer with the NHL guys. They really should. And it's like. Well, then they they announced that. Well, they've talked about. Like, no, they they've... announced it. Batman, Batman and the NHLPA, they announced that they're going to do it uh, next year in the middle of February. They're going to have a, or like a Christmas time, I think they're going to have a mid-season tournament. Are you sure you're not thinking of the, the NBA and how they're talking about trying to do that? No, I'm pretty sure the, I'm pretty sure they announced in the middle of the Olympics that they were, they were like. <sighs> All right, so I just Googled NHL mid-season tournament. The first one is. 
a Reddit post that says NHL should beat NBA to midseason tournament punch. Next one is Sports no, Illustrated no, no, no. from 2014. Um, oh, here we go. February 4th, 2022. World Cup of Hockey from the Daily Hive is. could make midseason return in 2024, according to Pierre Lebrun. There it is. There so it not is. next yeah, season, so but in two seasons. Two seasons. Yeah, they because they were like the World Series of Hockey when they had the they had a North America team, which was full of all kids under 20. Four and that was when McDavid and Matthews and Eichel and yeah Matthews who hadn't played a single NHL game yet. All these studs were on the same were on the same team. That team was unreal. Uh, and Isn't then that the thing though they don't of... want to do that that in like the team Europe again. They want to actually have like qualifying. I'm sure, but yeah, I mean it was. Uh, I mean I guess it's because there's more teams, but I found it interesting that the men and women had two different um, tournament structures, which I found surprising i guess there's not as many women's teams so yeah that's exactly what it is they've had that that for a while the men's is kind of crazy of like the best third like everybody gets in but it's like who gets the buys and all that shit yeah yes yes um but yeah anyway um jordy yeah i saw on we've Oh, i thought you were trying to tell me that that the flyers are losing vincent trocek just scored a very good goal uh, what a pickup for Carolina there, getting him from. Uh, I know we talked about I got, it in the preseason, I got but Carolina money line that's huge. <laughs> Marco, oh, what? Let, let's uh, let's talk about today. So you mentioned it before, your Bruins, or I mentioned it before, your Bruins, big win over the Colorado Avalanche, a team that a lot of people think that this I, might be the year. No, just first off, shout out. That's bird's eye view of today. Okay. 10 hours straight of NHL hockey. Thank you, Gary Bettman, for doing this on a holiday so I could just watch hockey. Pretty great. Not do any chores. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's incredible. Uh, Nice. He stinks. All right, Craig, you just said, and you said about it in the pre show, you're not a believer in the Avalanche. Talk about this game. Talk about your take on Colorado. I mean, I hope I'm wrong and I hope they make a move to do it, but they just, this is. Same story, same different year. You know, their goaltending is, you know, they thought there was better than normal, but it sort of petered a little bit. They had a, they were hot in the beginning of the year, uh, starting to fall off a little bit. It, the Bruins, especially our team that the only reason why the Bruins are where they are is because they beat teams that are not in the playoffs and they get blown out by teams that are in the playoffs or lose teams in the playoffs. So to me, you know, the, the Bruins, I don't want to say are frauds, but they're not winning any first round games. Um, they're not getting out of the first round unless they make a, a draft move here or a deadline move. So for Colorado to lose once and then get taken to overtime at home by the Bruins says to me that anytime they go up against a physical team or, or a team that's going to, uh, you know, not let the Avalanche use their speed and skill and, and teams get physical with them, then they're going to 100% lose just like they have every year. So, you know, I'd be curious to see. Colorado when they have to face, you know, maybe they'll, they'll beat the Kings or, or Predators maybe in the first round when they play them. But if they have to take on St. Louis or Minnesota in the second round and go up against a physical team or even Vegas in, in the conference final, you know, I don't know that that this team is physical enough or, or has that uh, grit enough to, to beat a team like that or those teams. Interesting. Mark, you have a thought on this? Yeah pretty much disagreeing with Greg. I think Colorado just needs like a 
like a Cal Clutterbuck type or like a face-off specialist, like a PK guy. I mean, they're stacked. I think they had they had a pretty rough start the first 10 games, but ever since then, I think they've only lost like two or three games. What was their streak at home? Like, I'm, I don't want to make up numbers, but it was ridiculous. Um, I think the Bruins just match up really well against Colorado, Greg. Like, unlike how we do with Carolina, I don't know, maybe because Colorado's like first line top heavy as we are. Um, I don't think their goaltending is that bad. I think he, that guy's having a pretty good year. Yeah, he's had a pretty think... solid run up until these last two games. And even today, 45 shots, 40 goal or forty saves, and five goals allowed. Yeah, I just think we match up well against them. That's all. And compared to other teams, I don't know why we don't against Carolina. Um, I think Colorado's stacked, and they're going to make – I think Sackick's going all in right now at the trade line. They're going to get somebody else. Yeah, Joe Sackick, for one, the guy must – he has like the inside lane onto every team. I don't know if he like has everybody's loved ones on the other line when he makes a deal of like, you're going to give me all of this and you're just getting this, which uh, we're going to talk about Claude Giroux in a little bit, which has me a little concerned. But look at things like when he traded Matthew Shane and all the different assets that he got in return there when he picked up Nazim Kadri, who's been very solid for that team and is a, you know, he's a physical player. I mean, obviously has a history with Boston Bruins uh, that is not so good for him, but he, uh, yeah, dash one today. Do you have any, no, no penalty minutes for him. So that's, a, that's at least a, a career high or career low for him. But yeah, I mean, I think kind of the same thing with Mark. They're very skilled. And I think to Greg's point, if they really do get into a super physical team that it might run into something, but that's why you have a guy like a like a Devin Taves that can provide a little bit of physicality there. You have a Kadri. You know, Landis Gog. Yeah, Landis Gog. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and their bottom six is is deep enough and, and plays physical enough hockey that they can at least, you know, keep themselves in there. Tyson Jost, Nico Bakubel, who they picked up from the Flyers on waivers. He's been a, a solid fourth liner and should have been, you know, a, a longer standing part of the Flyers organization, but they made some weird moves and um we don't need to talk listen, about that. We, we, listen, I don't mean to cut you off, but we've seen this song and dance time and time again, year I, over year. I, I get mean, what you're saying. but Not Kemper, necessarily with them, not necessarily with them, but every team, you know, it's like. Yeah, but Kemper is a 920 save percentage and a, a 2-6 goals against average. So he's doing a lot in a game today where yeah. the Bruins block a ton of shots for a team that is run and gun heavy like Colorado. I mean, that's more on the Bruins just playing good defensive hockey than it is Colorado. The, the Bruins also – the Bruins also outshot the Avalanche two to one. And so, I mean, let's not, it, they, they weren't blocking that many shots, you know, they weren't blocking two to one worth of shots, you know, let's call it what it is. But I just think that maybe Mark's right. Maybe the, maybe the Bruins do match up well against them, but you know, again, even like the playoffs are so different and the, look at the teams that have won in the last X amount of years. And they've all been teams that have that physical presence, but also have that skill and the Avalanche or have the skill. What? Or just or Tampa. Well, Tampa has both, and Victor <laughs> Hedman is in their Vasilevsky. Yeah, they, yeah, they're the two best Victor players. Yeah. In, in Vasilevsky are the two That's best players. Or, or you're just Tampa. At their position. You're just Tampa. But, I mean, again, you look, you go back and you look at all these teams, and even, I mean, even Dallas out of nowhere that made a run, and, and Montreal that made a run with a shitty team, they just physically – dominated teams and that is you know it happens to toronto every year it happens you know it's just one of those things that come playoff time for whatever reason these teams that have all this skill like calgary a bunch of years edmonton a bunch of years calgary is probably the best example of that yeah they're too small they're too like they're quick but they just 
They run into a physical team every year in the playoffs. Calgary? They never get through it. Yeah, those yeah. couple years where like they win the they Not win anymore. the football division. Not anymore. But like oh, a couple years they won now. the Pacific Division and they they'd run into one year was Colorado and Colorado just beat the shit out of them. And I think they either swept yeah. them or one in five. But Greg, yeah, you were before, right. Greg, you're right. I want to just correct you. You were right. The Bruins didn't they didn't outblock the Avalanche two to one, but they outblocked them I've eleven to them. three. Outshot them. No, no, no. You, you said outblocked. So you wanted to call it like it was. You're right. I said, I said outshot. I know, but then you said, said well, let's call it like it is about oh. the block shots. The Bruins outblocked the Avalanche 11 to 3. So that's almost 4 to 1. So there you go. You were right. But, I meant, but, 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 but my, point, my point was that they outshot I know what you're the saying. Avalanche I was, I was I'm one, being an asshole. They didn't, they didn't block, let's say it was 20 shots. They didn't block 20 shots. 11 is still a lot, though, on a team that shoots that, that tries to shoot that many times and they. However many hits, I mean, they're defensemen alone. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, you're right. It's hard to judge a team off of one game, and they're coming off of, you know, playing on they've three game road trip, and they're going to Detroit to play on Wednesday. So they're in the middle of a road trip, and they've played the same goalie. It seems like the last four, out of five, six out of seven. So yeah, he you know, plays whatever. a lot of we'll games. Call, yeah, we'll call what it is, but that is a big problem, you, and that you see a lot in the playoffs of that. Even teams that use the tandem style, the 1A, 1B, where one guy plays you know, 45, 50 games, the other guy plays closer to 35, 40 games, like kind of close to there. Obviously, that doesn't add up because there's 82 games in a season. But like one guy, they usually end up picking. But the, the backup ends up having to become important if, if one game gets out of hand. With, with Colorado using Kemper so much and not really using Frank Kuz a ton, that could become something that they – I don't know if they need to address or if it becomes an issue as the uh, as the playoffs start to heat up. Listen, I hope I hope they do well. Uh, you know, I like McKinnon and, and obviously McCarr, but, you know, I just – I don't know that I'm a believer like everyone else is. I don't know sure, that I'm, sure, sure, I'm riding sure. Colorado like everyone else. Sure, sure, sure. I, there's, we'll get to it in a little bit. Let's talk about some other teams, though. We we referenced Carolina currently leading the Flyers, a team really be- built incredibly well. Incredible goaltending from Freddie Anderson this season, former Maple Leafs, so guys that you were familiar with. Mark, this is a team that you've been pretty heavy on for a while. We all picked them to do very well in this division. You want to break this team down a little bit? The who are we talking about? Carolina. Carolina. Uh, Greg's least favorite yeah. team, so that's why I go to you. <laughs> yeah. I, I always give them credit. I hate them. Every time I watch them play, they just, it's just backdoor tic-tac-toe. They're stacked. They, I don't know. I think they just, they have so much skill and then they have the identity of their head coach with their work ethic and their, um, you know, forechecking. I, they just are, they're a wagon. I think they might make some noise finally this year. I've actually, they went to the Eastern Conference like two years ago, didn't they, Greg, and lost to the Bruins? That was three years ago. Last year they they went to the second round. Yeah. And lost to Tampa, yeah. so no, nothing bad there. They, they lost the eventual champions. They, yeah, they lost Freddie Anderson every year. Every year. Well, that that was gonna be my question. Sorry, Mark. Good job. That was my question. Like, is is was their problem really goaltending the last two three years? Like, no, Morazic's you know, been unreal for them, and now Morazic's right. in in Toronto and is hurt, but he's been really right. good. And they they upgraded with Freddie Anderson, who's right now you know a vet, a, certainly a Vezina finalist. Without well, he's I, did, I didn't mean to cut off Mark, but I guess I didn't mean to cut Mark. I guess my point was like, why haven't they won? Why haven't they been able to do it the last couple of years? And 
is this what makes this year different? Experience. I mean, their best players, Ajo's 24, Shnikov's 21. Like that, they're just get, they're getting older and they're getting stronger and they're getting more experience from those losses. So yeah, they're gonna yes. go keep getting deeper and be more consistent. They just picked up Tony D'Angelo. He's got 40 points in 42 games on D, and he's not even their best D. But like, so I just saw. Specialist. So they just showed a stat on the game right before we started recording this. Tony D'Angelo with 40 40 points in 42 games. The quickest to do that in the Hartford Whalers Carolina Hurricanes history since Mark Howe. Okay. Awesome. And he replaces Dougie Hamilton for what? One eighth of the one tenth of the cost. Exactly. Right. Just that, plugging and, a guy in like that. And what they were able to do with that money, they got Cockney which we talked about in the offseason podcast. They picked up Vincent Trocek from Tampa. They added like I was thinking about this watching this game. T, uh, Tio Teravinen. I'm definitely mispronouncing that. But they traded for him like five or six years ago from the Blackhawks, like right off the heels of the Hawks winning another Stanley Cup. And it was just kind of a ho hum like. The Hawks had to move this guy, this young dude, on their, their Stanley Cup lineup. But, like, he's been there. They picked up Brady Shea however many years ago from the Rangers. And, you know, they've kind of just silently made these moves throughout you know, the last couple of years. Like, remember, like, four or five years ago before they got that new owner, people were like, is this experiment working with hockey and Raleigh? I had the theory that they should just switch places with the Checkers and be in Charlotte. But now the Checkers aren't even their AHL team. But clearly, like, the storm surge is working. They're buying into it. Like Mark said, they're experienced. I think a couple years ago, they had the, the run of it was just a little too early for them. They were, you know, they were too young to know when to stop kind of thing. And last year, they ran into Tampa. And this year, if they end up playing them, which would probably need an Eastern Conference final showdown, because I don't think either of them is going to be a wild card team. And, but um, I'd love to see that series. I think it'd be a lot of fun to... Really good goalies, at least right now in the regular season. And there was just a sweet tilt between uh, Cole and Flyer Zach McEwen, which was pretty great. Cole's got a nice little bloody nose. So this is a team that's craps as well and plays physical hockey. Mark mentioned it, Rod the Bod. It was, you know, the former Flyers, the Flyers announcing staff loves to just really go off about him. But yeah, solid, a guy that just teaches good discipline, really good penalty kill. Really good, like guys just like clear it out in front of the net so that Freddie Anderson and their and their backups get solid looks of the puck and not really letting them make mistakes. Both of the Flyers' goals this afternoon have basically been bumper hockey goals. It's gone off of another player. It's never really a one-on-one with the goalie type of situation. They're very disciplined. They win face-offs. They set up well, and it's a fun team to watch. Hey, who's been their goalie the past? I'm looking it up right now. Peter Morazic. Mrazek, yeah. and uh, they, they did a tandem. Yeah, yeah James Reimer. They had the tandem going. And it was James they Reimer. They loved getting Toronto's leftovers. I was about to say, Todd. well, Mrazek was in Philly right before he went to Carolina. Reimer and now Freddie Anderson. Yeah, yeah, Reimer, yeah, who they got from Toronto. And then they also got the uh, the Zamboni driver from Toronto. What, uh, what do you think about Brendan Moore, that he's able to take a guy like Dougie Hamilton, who allegedly was hated by all his teammates, and now it takes a guy like D'Angelo, who was proven to be hated by his teammates. Yeah, I was about to say, there, uh, there's and, a lot and, of proven stuff very, about him. Very questionable past. Uh, what does it say about him to be able to get them to guys like that, I should say, to, to sort of, I don't want to say clean up their act, but certainly not make any splashes in the negative column uh, while they're there? Well, I think that was his attitude as a player. I mean, he certainly had that as a flyer, just this, like, tough-nosed, 
physical guy that wants to, you know, he wants team success and that he wants to be, I'm going to keep overusing the word discipline, but be disciplined in that way. So I think he brings yeah. that to coaching and, oh, fuck yeah, the Flyers scored it. But, on um, the ice every day, bringing it to the rink. Yeah, practice. exactly. Bringing that attitude, bringing that attitude there. So I think a guy like that comes to the team. Probably the same thing with goalies, honestly, of like, he obviously wasn't, he, you know, he's a skater, but they probably just says like, listen, we're going to buy into this. This is, you know, and then the storm surge started and the team, I think just really buys into it and, and really just harping on that kind of stuff. You know, I he's think it really Stanley buys Cup into rings. it. Yeah. He has, he has Stanley Cup rings with Carolina. He knows kind of what the, the fan base wants. Cause he won one there. And yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it. And it's why he certainly he won the Jack Adams last year, coach of the year for those that don't know. And he has a 10 pack. Yeah, guy is fucking ripped. <laughs> Rod the pod. How can't you listen to a 51-year-old with a 10-pack with Stanley Cup rings? Does he have multiple, awesome. or does he just have the one with, with I, Carolina? I think he just has the one. I don't know. I'll find out. Yeah, I'm looking it up, too. I know Recky has multiple because he won with Pittsburgh and the Bruins. Rod Brindamore. Uh, but, Greg, you what do you think about this team? You're asking us about it, and you're asking us about Brindamore. This is another team that you just don't believe in? No, it's not that I don't believe in, and I don't know that we need to put that moniker on me saying oh, I don't believe in the the Avalanche, but um, <laughs> I certainly don't think they'll win. But uh, no, I, I Carolina, you know, they've clearly established themselves as as sort of the cream of the crop at the top of the Eastern Conference uh, for the last four or five years now, right? Um, and I think Mark sort of put my uh, questions in a good light is all these young studs that they were relying on to score goals are now that much older. And these young guys no longer quote unquote young. Um, you know, they sort of are the ones that are still leading, the, leading them in goals, but now they can get it done against a more physical first line and go up when they go up against, you know, the first line of, of Le Cavier, I mean, Le Cavier, <laughs> Stamkos and Bergerot and all these other first line guys, you know, especially Ajo, you know, he can win faceoffs. He can, he's not going to get muscled anymore. You know, they can still produce, uh, you know, when they sort of go up and, and get the other team's best matchups. And then, you know, obviously their, their second, third and fourth lines are just going to outwork out grind and, and be better than the others. So, you know, I think it's uh, them getting help from their defense is huge and getting some points from their back end. You need that in a, in a deep, cup run and I think Mark sort of answered all my questions I think this team is definitely built to win and, and built to win now and Freddie Anderson you know could be the real deal but I'm more curious like they they haven't done well against the Panthers the last couple I was of games just gonna say that and I was just looking at their head-to-head -head. Yeah. Florida's won the past four games you guys haven't even brought up Florida's the number one team in the yeah. Eastern Conference they, yeah they oh, I was done, gonna go there next but they uh, haven't done well against them they also haven't really done too great against uh, Tampa still, but you know, that's different pod for a different time. But I just think that, you know, that what Mark answered my question, what's the difference between this year and other years? Certainly. Well, last thing before we jump over to Florida, the Rod the Bod stats over a thousand, almost 1500 games in the NHL, almost 1200 points, and 1100 on the dot penalty minutes. So that's the attitude he brings to circle back around to that question, Greg. But yes. The Florida Panthers, top record in the NHL right now. They lead the Atlantic Division. The most goals in the East at 208. The only team to eclipse 200 goals 
in the Eastern Conference. Double check in the West. Nope, nobody has there either. So the number only team in the NHL to eclipse 200 goals. A positive 63 goal differential. This team has been absolutely on fire and in a really good spot. And this is something that I think for a number of years we've thought this team could do with a number of different additions they've made. And now look at them and, and look at the team that they have here. Sergey Bobrovsky kind of finding himself. Spencer Knight not having the best year, but still we saw what he did last year in the playoffs where once he gets it going, it can really make certainly a difference. But Greg, do you want to apologize to Sergey Bobrovsky? No, I mean, where were you when? I think I think it was a, a genius move by the the team bringing up Spencer Knight. I mean, Spencer Knight obviously is worth it and, and deserves Absolutely. it. But getting a young kid who's the heir apparent almost, you know, like Tuka pushed Tim Thomas. Um, you know, they were talking about that today. Is sort of Tuka and Thomas, Tim Thomas sort of wasn't necessarily like, hey, you're my successor or we're competing against each other. It was we're going to work together and we're going to make each other better going in day in and day out. And I think that having a young guy like Bobrovsky hasn't been challenged for a while. And now he's got someone behind him. Hey, this is the heir apparent. And now he's like, okay, I actually have to play well to keep my job and get another big contract. Like I got the first time around. Uh, and that's certainly the way he's playing this year for sure. And, and hopefully, you know, that continues and that trend continues in the playoffs. Uh, you know, Jordy, what's the biggest difference? I mean, Spencer Knight hasn't necessarily, you know, two to one sort of games compared to Broskin hasn't necessarily done that much better, but, or he's, he's pretty worse, like you said, but what's the biggest difference this year from last year? What's the, you know, is this a team that, or is this another team that's going to have a great, um, you know, regular season fizzle out? You know, to me, I think that up the middle and, and they're, they're just a big physical team. They're, they're for as good as they are skilled. They're just physically big. Oh, I totally agree with you. And I think one guy, obviously not up the middle, but a, a trade they made a year ago that's paying off immense dividends for them is Sam Reinhardt. He's third on the team, I guess, technically tied for second with Ekblad, but like, making a huge difference former, former number two overall pick, just adding another level of depth for this team. And I think just a number of other guys and too, that are, that are starting to like really come into their own. Obviously Hubert. What was that? Was Duclair last year too? I think this is his second year with Florida. He came, I believe he came over after the bubble, but yeah, that was oh, yeah. the guy I was going to jump onto as well. A guy who's having a really good year, Anthony Duclair, who has had a couple really good years. He was with Columbus forever, and then they traded him as part of that. I think it was the Dezingle package. And then he was with Ottawa and was very solid with them in that 1920 season and then gets traded over to Florida. And it's been solid. And, you know, I, I just think that, again, kind of like Carolina, they just make these smart little tinkering moves without having to really go full blockbuster. Obviously, the biggest signing they did was Bob two off-seasons ago or three off-seasons ago. I forget how long he's been with the team. but. You know, they've they've really started to come into their own with some of those guys and the names that we've been hearing about forever with these teams, like a Huberto, like an Ekblad. Barkov is, you know, he's been hurt a little bit, but he's still having a solid year. Uh, over a point a game there, well over a point a game, 45 points in 37 games. But, like, guys are contributing all over the place. Uh, you know, I can't even count how many guys have double digits and goals, how many guys have at least 20 assists. It's just a full team effort, and they're deep, and I think that's important there. Depending on who they play in the first round, it's going to be really interesting because you want to see what Bobrovsky's going to do right now. It looks like 
That would be the Bruins. Yeah, the Capitals have 65 points. So right now it would be the Bruins, which would be really interesting. We were just talking about that of when you were talking about the Avalanche of, you know, the Bruins matching up well with them, a goalie who, you know, Kemper's never, I don't even think he's ever played in the playoffs, but playing against a good, you know, against a team like the Bruins. And if Florida has that where Bob only has that one playoff series win to his name because he split time with the Flyers in 2012. I'm trying to remember if he was the full starter or not, or if it was uh, Mr. Universe. But regardless, it's either one or two playoff series wins that Bobrovsky has under his belt. So if he plays a team that's going to be physical on his guys, who knows what's going to happen? Is uh, you know, Do you live up to the hype or no? And I think if we go back to the preseason podcast, I called this with Bobrovsky. I you said he's going to have a bounce back here. I said that Spencer Knight is going to make him better. And then I drafted him in fantasy, and that's why I'm in second place, baby. Woo! Anyways, Huberto, I don't think you guys are – I think he might be the most underrated player. You're not really talking about him. He's yeah. 70 points in 50 games. Well, I did talk about him. I said he's having an incredible year. He's, let me p- repeat that, 70 points. The guy, the next guy in Florida has 47. He's tied with McDavid for points in the NHL. Like, he's a superstar. And another reason why Florida's so good is they have all these, like, cast-offs who are top five picks. So, they got yeah. Sam Reinhardt, second overall in 2014. Sam Bennett, fourth overall in 2014. Huberto was uh, third overall in 2011. Like, they have so much depth. They've had some playoff runs. They've given Tampa Bay run for their money the past couple of years. I think they might beat them this year in the playoffs, although who are we? We could just be, you know, talking about all these other teams when Tampa Bay's Lightning's won the last two Stanley Cups. Like, are we just wasting our time here? Are they going to win a third? I mean – where Tampa currently is right now is a very interesting spot. They're five points back with a game in hand. Their offense, not Tampa level numbers. They're, there are a number of teams that are outscoring them currently, but as he's been unreal, he aside from Freddie Anderson has had one of the best seasons in terms of goalies in this season. And what they've been able to do is just really punch you in the mouth, quite literally. They're one of the worst penalty offenders in the NHL, but they're able to hold it up. And surprisingly, they're 12th in penalty kill. You'd think it was higher for how many penalties they do take. But they're still scoring a ton of goals. They're, they're top 10 in the NHL. And I think that's probably the scariest thing, is that they're still in a position where they haven't really... No one's exploded. Stamkos, 55 goals. Braden Point's up there. Alex Kalorin having a really good year. And, you know, Greg mentioned Victor Hedman a little while ago. But if... Probably going to win the Norris again, right? Maybe kill McCarr. Of it's one, it's probably a two-man race, right? Who would you? Th- who else would you throw up there? But like, just a really solid season there. You know, I guess the only knock you might throw against Tampa is Brian Elliott is is uh, their backup goalie. But he even he's a, above nine hundred save percentage, so you're not going to be that upset with him there and seeing what's going on because Vasilevsky's just that fucking good. Nine twenty-two save percentage, two twenty-seven goals against average, and um. Yeah, I mean, they've been really good. They've won three of their last five. They're currently on a on a road or they're finishing up a road trip, coming back to play Edmonton on Wednesday night, which I believe is oh no, it's not the TNT game. That's kind of surprising. Um, wow, that that's a really good opportunity that TNT kind of fucked up uh, to not have that game on national TV. But regardless, Tampa really good season. Greg, you got any thoughts on them? Tampa, yeah. Um, I. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is a team that I don't think the no regular season. By. 
Yeah, and I don't think the regular season, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily know that they're going or need to go for the regular season win. Uh, you know, I think they have a game in hand or whatever, but I think they know that they can handle Toronto or, or they can handle Boston if somehow they miraculously come back and jump Toronto. Yeah. And I think Tampa is just a team that knows how to win in the playoffs, team that knows how to win when they need to win. And, you know, they, you could argue that, started the season out slow because they've been to the Stanley cup four years in a row and or three years in a row, whatever it is. And, and they've just been playing hockey so much later and so much longer than everyone else. Two years in a row. Maybe there's some tired legs and maybe they're just uh, a team that needed a little break, but I think, uh, you know, they're like you said, signing Pat Maroon for the future. You know, that's an interesting call though of uh, the last time we saw a team, Win two in a row was Pittsburgh in 16 and 17. They made it through the first round, and then in the second round, end up in this monster seven-game series against the Washington Capitals and end up losing the game late. Greg, you and I were actually doing a baseball podcast on it when it happened. I don't know if you remember that or not. But, um, mm. yeah, so it'll be really interesting to see what would happen. Right now, they'd be scheduled, as you mentioned, to play Toronto, who the Leafs, I don't know if we have any you know huge takes we want to throw out about the Leafs and the fact they're playing solid defensive hockey and all that sort of stuff, scoring goals, Austin Matthews, American, great season. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be really interesting. You're, that's such a good point of like the tired legs. And really, in 2018, Pittsburgh really didn't have any reason to give up on that series outside of the fact that they'd played almost two full seasons of hockey in you know just the springtime <laughs> within, within those three seasons. So I don't know. Even it, longer in the bubble. Yeah, that's what I mean. Oh, yeah, and then and then in, well, Pittsburgh didn't in the bubble, but Tampa did. Um, didn't mean to throw a dig there at the Pittsburgh Penguins. They Sidney Crosby's our Aaron Rodgers. Anyway, um, but yeah, you know, you guys have any thoughts on the Leafs? I I know we want to try to mo- keep moving on. On you, should we just go into the other division? I know we talked about Carolina. Um, get some quick hitters on the on the three teams that are currently second through fourth in the Metro. Hang on, real quick, Jordy. Yeah. If the Bruins don't win, I feel like it, I'm rooting for the Panthers. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see the Panthers do well. And They'd be awesome to see. Yeah, I mean, we'll be coming, overcoming the rivalry. Do, do you want to know why? Why? Because uh, Mark played with Noel Chari growing up? No. Well, no. Mark, do you know why? I do not. I'm watching uh, the Flyers in OT right yeah, it's now. Yeah, OT. This is uh, this is intense. Jumbo, Jumbo Joe. Jumbo Joe, yeah, fourth liner. Oh, yeah. Jumbo Joe. Oh, that's such a good call. Jumbo Joe. Are, Joe Thornton. Is he cursed, or are you saying that's a reason why they it could help? I'm, I'm saying that's a reason why I'm rooting for them if the Bruins don't win. He's only put. Is he hurt? Why has he only played 24 games? Doesn't matter. He's going to get a cup. He's played for them. Yeah, but don't you need to play like a number of games in either the regular season or in the playoffs? In order Jesus, to Jordy. I mean, I don't I'm know. not trying they, to. I'm not trying to be a put down. I'm, I'm legitimately wondering. If they, is he if, they, if they put if they put Tyler Sagan's name in the Stanley Cup and he got he got called up for two games that whole season. Yeah, but you have to then, play in the final. Oh yeah, they'll, they'd put him in in the final. Hey, yeah. Greg has. I feel like the Bruins haven't played the Panthers at all. Uh, they played them early, no? That was the Flyers and Not the Capitals. They played for the first time since November last week. You know, the the Panthers also haven't played Tampa a lot either. So I don't maybe it's maybe they're just backloading the the division schedule for whatever reason. 
Uh, let's see. I have their list up. Yeah, the Bruins played them twice in October. This is Florida's schedule. Uh, they played. T- they wow. Florida beat the piss out of Tampa on on November, on December thirtieth. So there, there's one there. Um, they only had like one or two games left against Florida, Mark. Yeah, they yeah they only played Tampa once. It looks like and the Bruins in two their fourth and third to last games. Yeah, and then Ottawa and Montreal. <laughs> so is my comment off? No, they only play each other four or five times just because they have to. Yeah, it's four. It's four times like, now with how how like, the uh, NHL. Like, yeah, like Jordy. Yeah, like Jordy said at the top, or either it was offline. The the new schedule. Um, they have to play all the teams, everyone twice or whatever. Oh they yeah, well division. I was talking about that offline. Yeah, the uh, well they don't the, play the division as much. The fact is, or the the fact that made me look this up was that the Blues. By the time you're listening to this viewer listener. The Blues are in Philadelphia on Tuesday night, which is the first time they're there since early January of 2019, which is the famous Gloria game. For those that don't know, the Blues dead last in the NHL around New Year's on January 19th. They go to this bar and they hear Gloria. And uh, the next night they go out and pump the Flyers. They adopt it as their victory song. It's a much longer story than that. But uh, then they ended up winning the Stanley Cup later that year. But this is the first time they're back since then, which I thought would have made me dive into how the NHL schedule format works, which it used to be you didn't play every team twice and go to their stadium at least once. Um, and you used to play division teams a lot more. At one point, it was eight times in your own division, but now it's only four times. That's uh, all four divisions, and you play the other division three times, and then the Western Conference teams twice. So that's how it works. But um, yeah, so it's only four times, which sometimes they front load it, sometimes they back load it, sometimes they spread it out. Like the Capitals... And the Flyers play for their third game on Saturday, but they like took three months off between games. Kind of nutty stuff. And oh, almost scored there. Um, but yeah, so let's uh, speaking of the Capitals, let's jump over to the Metro and then we can jump over to the West quickly. Uh, Pittsburgh, New York, Washington, all three different teams. Two of those teams, the more veteran teams. We weren't entirely sure what to believe. Pittsburgh partially because they had injuries. Started the year to Crosby and Malkin. The Rangers, just super young, finally having the start to their season that I think they've always finished in 2020 and 2021 and looking really good in that regard. And then Washington, Alexander Ovechkin just on a mission to try to try to break that Gretzky record and stay on pace for it and looking really good that way. Do you guys have any thoughts on those teams? Are you surprised they're here? None of us picked Pittsburgh at the beginning of the season and they're battling with Carolina for first place in the division. So... You know, we the, didn't do Pittsburgh because of the injuries, right? The, yeah, we were, we were all pretty we were all pretty bat, down on the injuries. That's why. Wow. And then Crosby came back quick. Malkin didn't come back until a little while ago, but Malkin's still been pretty good. And then guys like Evan Rodriguez is having a really good year for them. Brian Rust is having an incredible year. And then Gensel, I feel like we forget about him a lot. And he's had a really good year. At, I'm sure we have Penguins fans that are listening to this that, uh, you know, a couple in particular, one Greg knows that uh, are probably like, oh, no, we never forget about Kensel. But I feel like, like I don't know, they had the um, the KGB, Benino, Kessel. It's either BGK, whatever that third line was in their cup run with Phil Kessel, that uh, was Benino, Kensel, and him. But, like, Kensel always has these incredible years and just once again is taking off. Brian Rust, really good year, like I mentioned. Um, and Rodriguez, who I don't think was an all-star, but really good. And then a, a return to form from Tristan Jari. So, um uh, yeah, I feel like I have Jeff to give them Carter. props. What was that? Your your boy Carter. What about Carter Hart? No, 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 no. 
Jeff Carter. Oh yeah, Jeff Carter too. Yeah, that, yeah. For, uh, good that he he he's uh, still still doing well for the Penguins there as well, even in his older he's age. He's having a great he's having a great season. He's having a great season for the Penguins. Yeah, yeah. So you know them being there and, and where they're at is you know it's oh wow what a goal oh my god. Oh. I, think, I think too that Latang Latang doesn't get talked Jared, about. Enough. You're like five Letang, seconds ahead of me. Stop ruining it. Sorry. Ruining it. Fucking Martin. Latang doesn't get talked. Latang doesn't get talked about enough either. Latang. Wow. Like, I know. Great goal. Yeah, no, it's a good point about Latang. He's he's a really solid defender. He's, I feel like he's like well, he, because of Malkin and Crosby. I feel like he's like the third guy in that core, right? That like has been there and has been a solid defenseman for him. And it usually but takes you, like a couple others. They had Flurry forever. Couldn't you argue? Couldn't you argue that he's sort of the Kill McCarr before Kill McCarr? I think so, but I think a lot of Penguins fans have had some problems with him. At least from the few that I know, I, I know they've like he's at times been a little too reckless, and I think they don't like that about him. Because um, you're right, he yeah, definitely but, goes down and, and dives into the offensive zone and makes plays and all that sort of stuff. But I've, yeah, I'm but trying to like remember takes I've heard about Kill yeah. McCarr from a. Certain friend of ours that's probably listening to this and will text us what his takes were. Yeah, Latang. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, you know, the Rangers maybe are doing a little better than thought. Um, Washington, I feel like we all sort of had doing decently. Um, I the Islanders are surprising, but I guess COVID. They, if any team got fucked by COVID, it was the Islanders. I mean, I don't know how Batman. Like the Bruins got four guys or five guys at COVID. They immediately postponed the next two weeks of games. The Islanders had four or five guys get COVID and they made the, Flyers them play the same thing an, happen to them with an AHL roster. Yeah. The Flyers are the, the same Flyers thing happened to them. The playoffs. They, eventually right before they stopped testing the asymptomatic players, the Islanders had it. The Flyers had it. A bunch of other teams in the West had it. And that's what finally got them to change the COVID rule. But the Islanders had it from the beginning and then they had a bunch yeah. of injuries or whatever. But anyway, that, that, the they, is, I feel like they just, that and they, they, they couldn't win in their new building, and they, they spent, like, they how long luck. on the road? Yeah, I just feel like they had a terrible luck of a year. Um, so they'll be back, I'm sure. But, I mean, Zdeno Chara, you know, hopefully isn't too embarrassed that this is the last year. But, um, yeah, the, the Rangers surprised me, but they, their goaltending, you got to talk about those guys. Yeah, they've been incredible. But, I mean, this is kind of uh, what we talked about before of, like, the Rangers goaltending, this is why they bought out Lundqvist a couple years ago is because they thought these guys – and really, Georgiev has not been as good as um, Shosturkin has been. Shosturkin's been incredible. Georgiev, like, they mm. didn't play him for a while, and now he started to play because mm. he started the season off terribly. And they started to play him more, and he's looked better. But Shosturkin has been incredible. And I think the real knock – really, I, I don't even know if there is a true knock, but, like, he has a – 201 goals goals against average and an, almost a 940 save percentage. He is looking awesome. And I guess I don't I, I was going to try to come up with some sort of knock for this team. Even when they have these low scoring games, he's keeping them in it. He's ke- having them win these games. And, you know, I mean, I feel like we have to give a lot of credit to Chris Kreider, who is having an incredible year after a couple years ago where they thought they might we or everybody thought they the Rangers might be trading him. He stayed there and re-signed, and it's been awesome. And I think it's worth noting too that Panarin and Zibanejad are both over a point a game, but neither of them have eclipsed twenty goals. Which both of them are reliable to blow up in the second half of the season. So watch out; it could only get more explosive from here. Yeah. How about Truba fighting everybody that walks? And I think 
them picking up Reeves just made them so much better because they can go out there and do whatever they want. They know somebody has their back. I, I was on the Rangers bandwagon before the season. Like I thought. Yeah, I've I've been high on them for a while too. Yeah, they're up and coming and they're here now. Like they're nasty and just getting those physical guys. They're stacked. It's too bad Quinn Greg couldn't uh, enjoy this team because he kind of got shafted in that. Um, they're stacked. I, I, I'm a big fan of theirs. How about, um, and I'm going a little off topic here, but Montreal fired their coach. They've won like two or three in a row. Get yeah. Marty St. Louis. And I got I wanted to bring that up. Yeah. When Greg DM mentioned Vince Cavalier, the fact that it's St. Louis, Cal- Cavalier, and another dude from that 04 team, that's all just in charge of Montreal now. Love it. All those French guys. And Caulfield's finally starting to score. I know. Yeah. After he like got sent down for a little bit. And now he's playing again and, and is really looking good. Apparently, there was something controversial about him that he might have had some slur on a Scrabble board or something. You guys see this? I hadn't heard anything, no. Yeah, apparently uh, a slur. I don't know if it was a recent picture or if it's like one of those they dug up like him as a teenager. I saw the picture and it looks like it's either an Instagram filter or it's an old picture. But it has a homophobic slur that he's holding up and like smiling about. So there's something... Like so, like somebody I forget what team they were playing the other night, but like they somebody like beat him or like checked him into the boards or something. They're like, yeah, take that. And I did some investigating, but I didn't really do too much because it was uh, I couldn't figure it out. That's not did fair it. if you did it when he was like thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, but if it's recent, it's it's you know can't really be yeah. doing that. But also, yeah. Well, I feel like with with uh, you know until he comes out, well, whatever. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Until like Photoshop. until he yeah, like, exactly. Like, until the, he addresses Kanye, it. Th- well, the Kanye thing too, like you know, he put up a piece of paper and now everyone's just photoshopping it left and right with his face put up a piece of paper, right? So I feel like we'll see what what comes up. If it's too bad if true, but uh don't want to crucify him yet, but too yeah, bad. Yeah, no, no, no. That, that that's why I wanted to see if you guys had seen it cuz I didn't do too much digging cuz it didn't look like anybody had really come out and said anything like not even a team like we don't condone this kind of thing. Um, so I want to see if you guys knew, but anyway, Mr. any other Mr. Jordy? Yes, I do have something for you. Has this ever happened before in the history of the NHL? A team that makes it to the Stanley Cup is the last place team by points the following season. I feel like it has to have happened at least in the original six era. Like like a team must have. I guess they didn't have the salary cap back then, so maybe not. But like, um, I don't know. It's a really good question because you see it a lot in the NFL, right? Of a team that makes the playoffs or even the Super Bowl have that Super Bowl hangover. But in the NHL, usually you see kind of what Greg was talking about, teams that get there year after year and then after a couple years of prolonged success have a little bit of a fall off but still make the playoffs. I don't know what it is with Montreal. I know, like, they technically they had less they had less wins than teams that didn't make the playoffs last year. Granted, it was the the weird no-division crossover format. It's a crazy situation, though. I know they have the whole Carey Price isn't playing thing. That's the biggest factor, right? And, um, like, Jake Allen's been hurt, and they lost Cockney Emmy. They lost. They ended up But also, training. it's like, it's also like they, they not that they had an easy schedule, but it's not like the Canadian division was that strong last year. Sure, that's a good point, year, too. And then all they had to do was beat. But they beat, they beat Vegas. They beat that's what I mean, presumptive like, favorite. Beating Vegas in a seven-game series, sure, is no is no small feat. But like, 
a hot goalie, you know, you proved that a hot goalie can win four out of seven games or, you know, whatever it is, but, and then you can play a defensive style, but yeah, I think, uh, Corey Perry was a huge part of that team last year. Where's Shea Weber. Year? Yeah. Weber's hurt. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it was more of luck getting in. That team was not very good record wise. I think Certainly. it was luck getting in. They luck didn't getting sign Deno. Deno went to LA Kings. They're, yeah, yeah. Deno, they just traded Tyler Tavola to the Flames. So, like, they're in a an interesting spot now. They have Suzuki. They have Caulfield. So, they have young studs to, like, yeah. try to keep it built around. And they still have, like, Sherratt, who's a big physical guy. How old's Jeff Petrie now? I feel like he's starting to get up, up there in age. So like, 32, guessing. Uh, yeah. Yes. yeah, 1987. Yeah, so he's, thir- he's going to be 30. He's 34. The sooner we move on from the... Uh... The Habs. <laughs> how, uh, how about the, another crap organization, Arizona? Yeah, let's go to the West. Yeah, Arizona with... Uh, if you have not seen this, the drama in Arizona, the Coyotes have agreed to play in a new rink being built on Arizona State's campus, which is only going to be about 5,000 seats, or is it 5,500? Either way, it is four digits... Yeah. Mark, uh, I know you played college hockey. Was your arena bigger than this than this proposed Division One hockey arena that an NHL team is going to house? I'm not mine personally, but in. sometimes on the road it would be like that big, like playing Norwich or something. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I just like you think, oh, it's going to be all college kids there, college kids like being rowdy and stuff. But if there's that many seats, what are the ticket prices going to be? I know. Now, also looking at it, it looks like they're benches. It doesn't even look like they're individual seats, right? Or did I see that picture wrong? Um, I mean, it's just I need to look it up, but it's it's weird because it's such a fun area. We've all been there, right? Yeah, we, I was it's just such there. a sick, so and much it, fun. There's so many people, so many sports fans. Like I don't get why they can't get this right. Well, the crazy thing is that they used to play in the same stadium as the Suns, and it was downtown Phoenix. It's a really cool area. I watched the Super Bowl around there two weekends ago. And, like, the Diamondback Stadium is right there. And now they play in this arena that's next door to where the Cardinals play in Glendale. But it's, like, in a shopping mall. The, there's a lower yeah. bowl, and then the upper bowl is, like, it's not a bowl. It's th- it's four grandstands that are pointed with these, like, giant stone pillars in the corners. So it's, like, it's weird that way. It's kind of – it's an interesting stadium and, like, a decent crowd – but it's like they've had all the problems. It's why they had to move from Phoenix to, Air, to Glendale because they went bankrupt and all that stuff. Then there's all so the I was gonna like, ask. I was going to ask, why would they leave in the first place if they had such a sweet deal with the Suns? And- well, I think this, the deal with the Suns was because they went bankrupt and they had, to, they had to move. Like the new owners, like the NHL owned them for a little bit, then they had the new owners, then they have another new owner, the guy that currently owns it, who apparently like – a couple of years ago, people loved him, and I guess now people really fucking hate the guy. I don't know. Um, but I I don't know what the deal is. If you're going to ASU, and which, like, their, their hockey team's, like, very much on the rise. Greg, Mark, you guys pay more attention to college hockey than I do, right? They're still, like, very much getting up there as a big team. I don't know about a big team, but they're certainly not the laughing stock like they were once. Okay. That's imp- All right, that's important. But, uh, I mean... To Mark's point that if this thing, you know, right now they're not in a good position for certainly for 2022 and probably not for the 2023 season. But like if 
they hit on some picks and really start to take off, like what's going to happen there that they're in this 5,000-seat arena? And to Mark's point, what are ticket prices really going to look like? It's going to be nuts. And is there going to be like an Eli Manning, Philip Rivers situation where the first first overall pick doesn't want to go there? Yeah, if they, get the, if they win, is Shane Wright going to be like, I want to go here, or Connor Bedard in a year and a half from now? Or, like, it's not even that hard. Just go play college for a year, like, uh, for, um, what's his name? Who's the kid with the range? He chose the oh, Rangers, Jimmy Vesey. Right? Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Vesey. Just well, go did... play college for a year or two. And... Well, how long are your rights good for? I think it's three years, right? It's three years. It? Yeah. Well, that's what happened with Vesey, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what I was about to say. What, what, like, what Did he just play all four years at Harvard? And then he decided, like, he let his rights lapse. Yeah. There's something but that was weird, too, because it was like he wanted to play for the Predators, but then the Predators traded his rights to Buffalo, and that's when he decided to, to, to not play. He was, he was, and then he was going on interviews with teams, and then now he's like a fourth-line player. Yeah. yeah. And then he ended up Four with Buffalo, later. like, weirdly enough. But he also wasn't like – he also wasn't like a – a surefire thing to play right away. He only had, he only, it only happened because he had that, the, the Hobie Baker type year in his senior year or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, Olympics. Yeah. Well, anyway, the, I, you know, I don't know why they're determined to make it work there. Clearly it's not working. The fans, you know, it's almost like Tampa to an extent, like for whatever reason, they still have a team in Tampa for, for baseball, I should say. But yet, they the only time they get fans is when the Yankees and, and Red Sox fans travel up north down down to Florida. But you know, you hope that someday it works out. I mean, I don't really know. Can you really compare it to another sports team where it's gotten this bad? Is this the worst type of attendance? And and I guess the only other one I can think of is the Pirates in some of the pre-Andrew McCutcheon years where there were dudes with like bags on their head at the games in PNC park, like on the river and all that shit. Yeah. But didn't you, don't you isn't your Twitter bio a pic of you with a bag? Yeah. That's because that's because the flyers want to, that's because people want the team to sell, to sell, have Comcast sell the team and make it seem like they're people with bags on their heads, which I don't know. Today looked like it had decent attendance. So guys stop going Comcast to sell the team. Fuck Comcast. I hate Comcast. The fucking worst. But anyway, anyway, Broad Street Bags, the movement worked for like a week. <laughs> anyway, every time they build a building, the team, a team in Philly wins. So just have them keep building buildings, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Anyway, yeah, anyway. To, to talk about the West. Let's um, let's talk about some actually good teams. We talked about Colorado a little bit. So let's uh, let's talk about the other division leader, a team we talked about a little bit that right now, as Mark mentioned, Looks really good. They've won nine in a row. The Calgary Flames. Mark, should we start with you on the Flames? Sure. Yeah, I I, I think they kind of have a full team. Like name an area of the game how you can win, and they have it all. Like top top end skill. Yes. Markstrom's been unreal for him as a goalie. Boudreaux having an incredible season. They're Def- currently def- tied with the Jets. They have three twenty-goal scores. Defensive depth, defense depth. Yes, size on the back end. Yes, size on the fourth line who can fight anybody in the league. Yes, Lucic, good goaltender. Yes, like they're just picked up somebody at the trade deadline. Defoley, who's a known playoff scorer. Yes, they could make a really deep run. 
Yeah. Like top, like Western Conference Finals. I'm thinking Markstrom if he keeps playing like this. I think I think the most impressive thing is underrated too is their defense. No one really talks about yeah, yeah Gaudreau and Kachuk and all their big names up front. But I mean, Mark mentioned it. But I mean, Anderson, uh, Hannafin. Yep, Tanev. Han- you know, Sadorov. Yeah, yeah, having a really good year. Like their 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 defense is underrated and um, doesn't get talked about enough. And, and sort of a big reason why I think they're doing better this year than they have in years past is sort of that change. Do you do we think that this goalie? Do we think Markstrom can can get it done? I mean, they have Dan Vladard, a former Bruin, as their backup, and the Bruins chose Swayman over Vladard, and Vladard has played twice against the Bruins and, and had two shutouts, but. That's neither here nor there. Do we think Markstrom can get it done in the playoffs? Is that, I think that is that the biggest question mark for this team. I mean, their forwards are great. Their defense, I think we've talked about, is good. And like Jordy said, I mean, Markstrom's playing well, but is is he a, is he a, a cup winning goalie? Is that a thing? Yeah, but wasn't he a part of that Vancouver team that forced a game seven against Vegas? Like they clawed their way back, and he was a big part of that. Yes. Yeah. He so he he like I think has shown he has the ability to. And I think yeah, he's so finally honing it in in this regular season. To your point, you got to do it for four rounds if you're going to win the Stanley Cup. But if you're going to do it against a Vegas team that is known as an offensive juggernaut, never really makes serious mistakes, you know, I you know, I think that's a pretty good starting point. But let's see where they go in the first round to see what happens there. But kind of to what, what you guys just both mentioned, their defense – could save them from something like a couple years ago where Goudreau, Monahan, all those guys are really going off, and then they don't end up doing anything in the playoffs when they won their division. And now they're sitting here with you know the first with first place granted by two points, but they have three games in hand against Vegas currently playing right now. So we'll see what they ends up a, happening. They have a monster schedule. They do have a monster out. schedule. They play Minnesota four times. They yeah. play Colorado a bunch. They play Tampa. They play the Kings. They play the Blues. They got a monster schedule to finish the rest of the season. That's why you play I mean, all eighty-two? I, listen, Mark, Mark said it. You know, we are we, we talked. I talked with Colorado. You know that they get pushed around by physical teams. Calgary. You know they added Trafoli, who's not going to get pushed around. They have some of the that those sticker guys. They have some guys like Kachuk and Lucic who. You know, don't back down. Yeah, we didn't even mention Mac and Chuck. Yeah, they have some guys. There's some guys that don't back down. Even Lindholm is having an unbelievable year again. So, and their defense, obviously, we talked about the strength they have on the back end. So, I, I mean, this team is uh, is set. It sets it too well. You know, you would hope that you know, physical physical team. You know, in theory, you think that they would shut them out, but I don't think that. I think, like Mark said, this team is sort of can combat yeah, they're, they're that. They're in a good like spot. The, yeah, Manj- has like 25 goals or something. He's, yeah. I don't know where. Like, I think the thing that they did, Monaghan used to be their first line guy. And now he's third line. Yeah, they he's moved their lineup. They, yeah, they moved their lineup around and it's it's worked out really well for them because they kind of, they started the year kind of shaky and, and you weren't quite sure because that first line wasn't producing. He he wasn't producing. He, he obviously like, yeah, moving to the third line not getting those minutes that he's doing really has helped the team. Yeah. And back to Markstrom, this is definitely a career year for him. I mean, his numbers are off the charts this year compared to years past. He's 32 years old from Sweden, six foot six. Like maybe he's just honing in, finding the zone. Eight shutouts this year. He's never had more than three. But all 
But at the end of the day, playoffs. What can you do in the playoffs? And he, like, I mean, they could lose, they could get bounced, and we could be just wasting our time, and they could blow up their team next year. You know? Sure. No, I mean, you talked about it. Gaudreau's in a contract year. This is sort of his put up or shut up numbers, right? He's Gaudreau's a plus minus forty. Like, wow, that wow. is absurd. Not That's even insane. Not even Chara in his prime put up those God. plus minus numbers. And then you get Monahan and Marcus talking about is minus 11. So it's like the, the two ends of the spectrum, I guess, to fall going to help with that. But plus 40 for Gaudreau, Lindholm is 38 and Chuck is 33. The, the plus minus ratio on this team is just absurd. The, the amount of goals this team puts up. Yeah. I like them. Yeah, it's awesome. Good. It's exciting to see because Vegas is two points behind them now, but they've added – we didn't even get to talk about this. The man they added scored last night. Jack Eichel is back in the lineup. Now has three points, one goal, two assists, and three games for the Golden Knights of Vegas, who hosted the All-Star game. Is Vegas a wagon? Are they in trouble? Mark, we'll start with yeah. you. I don't think they're in trouble. I mean, they've proven just the amount of playoff experience they have. They could just kind of coast in the regular season and then just wake up in the playoffs. Like, we all trust them i think stone is on ir the rest of the year but he'll come back in the playoffs their captain and best two-way player just picked up eichel he's looking good yeah i'm not worried about them greg what do you think yeah i mean i think he says best to survive beginning of the year where they had a whole bunch of injuries and they survived to the point where they're still in prime position for the playoffs and they may not be able to I mean, they're only two points behind Calgary. Short Calgary has a bunch of hand and game or games in hand, but either way, they're they still have to face Edmonton at some point. They'll have to face both those teams in terms of the playoffs. I think Vegas is only like Jack Eichel is only going to make that team better. He's two games in or three games in from missing a from a major neck surgery, and you know this is his preseason, if you will. You know he's only going to get better. Is my point? Um, you know. They, they, this is a team that uh, now that their guys are starting to get healthy and coming back, you know, Marsh show's going to see, have it hopefully produce a little better than here. He's got 20 goals, but he doesn't have to necessarily have to do everything anymore. He's got other scorers around him now on the team. Uh, you know, Riley Smith can go back to sort of being a second, third line center that, that can control that sort of play and, and, and role, if you will, and can control the sort of the third line center is huge in terms of eating minutes, killing penalties and, and controlling the play on that end. But then, you know, like you said, adding an all-star and, and a leader, really, Eichel, you know, as a captain, assistant captain, all, all these other places, adding someone like that to a lineup, he's already leading the or top two in minutes for his last game. You know, he's only going to get better as the season goes on, I think. This team is no joke. Petrangelo has done it before. Like you said, Mark, hopefully Stone comes back healthy. Pacioretty has been hurt all year. Hopefully he comes back ready to go. Pacioretty's played half the games everyone else, and he's got just as many points as yeah, everyone else. Yeah, it's not. So, like, they're only going to get better, and they survived the beginning of the year where, again, Pacioretty was hurt and, and Stone. Stone so missed now, time. Yeah. I yeah. They hadn't even gotten and him. now Eichel, right? They hadn't even gotten him. So now they're only getting healthy. They're only getting better. They've you know, almost like Tampa where, or, or, or um, just Pittsburgh, like in years past where they survived without Crosby and Malkin and now they're back and they're just going to go on a tear. And teams like this, they wake up in the playoffs. Like the re yeah. regular season is like 
a preseason and they just have to get there. And then like, they've been to the playoffs. They've had these runs so many times that that's all that matters now. Absolutely. How, how, how you mentioned the goaltending. How was Vegas able to steal this? Like, that, how does Buffalo feel right now? I know, right? They got to feel yeah. fucking. Just situation. Yeah, terrible. never going to end well, especially if Michael does well. But yeah, the goalie situation, Jordy Leonard's great, but now they're rumored to be actually going after Marc Andre Fleury again at the trade deadline. So, <laughs> Rio, I love the. Uh, speaking of Fleury, they, there's all these things of like he wants to go somewhere to win, and people keep fucking photoshopping different jerseys on. And the one is. Uh, Somebody did him with a Capitals jersey, but with his old Penguins mask on. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, awesome. But that'd be insane. But Broussard, or however you pronounce his name, he, he hasn't been bad. He's still solid for him. He has better goals against average than Leonard does right now. Yeah. Leonard having a tough year. Uh, it's not terrible. No, he... It's 907 save percentage, 286 goals against. He's 19 no, and 13, a... so it's not terrible. He's, but He's having a good year, but before Mark... They were able to get a lead early and and then pack it in with their four solid lines and yeah. not like kind of like Montreal. So they, but that, now they're pressing because they've been playing from behind. They're not yeah. necessarily playing the Vegas style nights that we saw in the playoffs and in their cup run. But yeah, they just got now, six nothing by yeah. Calgary. I mean, like that's but and two nothing by Colorado. So like they right. they are going down early and needing to fucking get, dig in. Right, which is not their style, not what they like. But now they have the superstars coming back yeah. to sort of help aid in that goal scoring process. And, and they'll be, they'll be just fine. And Leonard's numbers will even out here towards the end. And you have to figure with their size and even speed to match. They're going to be a okay. Yeah, absolutely. Do you guys have any like trade, any big names like hurdle, uh, JT Miller, Clutterbuck, uh, should the Bruins make a move, Greg? Do you think the Bruins are kind of just in la la land? I think the Bruins need, they are in La La Land. They're caught in that halfway in, halfway out type of thing. And I think the Bruins need to GM, particularly Sweeney, needs to realize Bergeron's a free agent. He's not coming back. He's going to retire, in my opinion. They need to go for it all this year without. And But the problem is that the Bruins are so afraid of going into the doghouse in terms of talent that they're going to be shitty in the next couple of years. But they think that if they stay in this position now, they keep some assets, they can replace Bergeron and keep Pasternak happy and somehow with Hall and Pasternak keep that sort of scoring and whatever going. But I just don't know that this is the team. I think the Bruins definitely should trade for someone. I think it should be Giroux, but... <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> so, Was that a purpose right, but... cough? No, it sounds it like... Drew? <laughs> no, it sounds like, it sounds like Drew doesn't want to go there, but... I mean, I think he'd be perfect. I think he'd fill in the second line right between Hall and Hall and Pasternak. Oh, it'd be unreal. Too much skill there. That'd be scary. Uh, it'd be unreal. But no, I, yeah, I mean, I think JT Miller is a good name. I don't know. This, I think he's more of a coil type. I don't know if Bruins necessarily need someone like that. And I know we're sort of getting into the next topic, but you know, it just – there's – there's not a ton of, I mean, Gaudreau, but, you know, he's obviously not going anywhere. There's not a ton of, like, the Bruins aren't going to go out and get Phil Kessel. There's not a ton of scoring, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Terfoli would have been a great add, um, but it sounds like they weren't they weren't even talking to to the Canadians about it. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there is, there is depth, uh, scoring depth for them to find outside of, 
an obvious name or a big name like yeah Drew. i think they're just kind of screwed they're like a good team who can't beat the better teams in a seven game series and they're kind of just stuck they don't have any young assets they're kind of just in a bad bad spot but if they're entertaining they'll still win they'll make the playoffs and we'll have fun maybe win around but yeah i mean i you know it's it almost working. like you almost think like Jeff Carter, how he, you know, helped Pittsburgh and whatever, you know, you almost think like, who's that guy? Who's that name this year? Who's that? That's what the Bruins need is sort of that veteran, big name, but also can score kind of guy. Yeah, I, that that's every a really good point them. of like, there's got to be somebody out there. Like JT Miller is a good one to throw out, even though he's not like at the point that Jeff Carter was at it in his career. But like a guy that you can kind of pry away from somebody's I don't know, second, first, second, third line that, like, they might not be thinking about. And maybe you – I forget what Pittsburgh sent L.A., but, like, maybe you overpay a little bit if you're really trying to go over the edge there. Pittsburgh also, I, I guess, like, kind of to, to complete that thought process and the exercise of, like, they were competing for a division title. And they ended up winning the East Division because you – know, a lot of it is because they had added Jeff Carter. He had a couple multi-goal games. He had a four-goal game at one point. And, you know, so if you, you try to go for that – you know, if you're the Bruins, and you guys can certainly correct me here, I, I think going after somebody's goal scorer, whether it's, you know, if Claude Drew waves his no-move clause to go there, great. If it's a JT Miller type, if it's a, you know, insert player, we can theorize this all day. But, like, you're five points behind the, the Maple Leafs, you're 10 points behind Tampa, or uh, eight points, excuse me, and 13 behind the Panthers. So, you're like, you need to make you need to make a pretty good run, but like, does adding does getting goal scoring go that way, or does it go against the identity that you're building this year of like a physical team that can maybe make some noise that way? I think yeah, they're, goal, and, they're Greg. Go, oh, sorry. I, I no, know. No. I know what they need. Cause... No, everyone. Everyone keeps. I mean, the the big thing that everyone keeps saying the Bruins need is a defenseman, and they talk about That's that kid. Saying. That yeah. kid from Arizona. Um, and sure, maybe they maybe they structure their team like that, and they get a good defenseman and. And then they just hope that their top line scores and then just sit on a lead and hopefully they can win the cup that way. I mean, Mark, you can talk more about that, but I don't know that like the difference between this year and last year is that they didn't need a second line center last year. They didn't, you know, wings are harder to find. Like there's, they had the scoring this year. They need like a third line scorer or Claude type. Like they can get goals from coil on the third line. You know, they, they, they think their third and fourth line are pretty set they don't need those guys like years past. They need those guys this year. They either need a stud center uh, in the middle, like to, to, to go between hall and, and Pasternak, although Bergeron with hall and Pasternak look unbelievable today, but that's neither here nor there put, get a Drew type, or like you said, or Mark was about to say, get a defenseman, get maybe two, sure up the back end, protect their goaltenders, sit on a lead with Bergeron and Pasternak scoring goals and, and call it a day. I, I think, Pasta and Hall on the second line kind of eliminate or hide the urgent need for that second center because they can play, they can make anybody look good playing center there, just win the faceoffs. Um, and then Craig Smith on the first line with Bergeron and Marshawn. But I think what they need, because year after year they go into the playoffs and they just get pounded by like Tom Wilson or these huge teams like Grizzly or Clifton just get run into the boards or Carlo, like RD just get decapitated in the playoffs. And it happens the past three or four years. We need like a, and they don't grow on trees, but like a top four lefty D who's physical, who can play 22 minutes. Like we need a top left Sherratt, shot defenseman. Sherrod from the Canadians. 
we need somebody big who's good. And that's what I think that's their biggest piece that they need for the playoffs. Sherrod from the Canadians, Klingberg from the Stars. Everyone says Giordano from the Kraken, but he's a huge cap member. Coyotes have a good young D too, Chirk. Starts with a C. I can't say it. Yeah, but everyone he's says that everyone says that he that they're they're asking for Jack Geichel type of return in terms of first rounders and all this not. I mean Nick Letty, the Red Wings, the Red Wings are chasing He'd be great. them right now. But, he would be great for the Bruins. Yeah, but the Red Wings are chasing, so I don't know if they'll do that. Um but I mean DeBrus is still a guy that keeps scoring goals and no one I mean they have he wants out so he's that's awesome that he is doing that because that's just increasing his value right yeah I don't know I it, the, the the goal the defenseman thing is a great point and and I think I mean do you like Sherrod from the Canadians it sounds like they're selling right now yeah um, I do he's big body that's what Thomas you need. Hurdle, Mark Thomas Hurdle, center from the Sharks. And I don't, I don't want centers, but and then Klinberg from the Stars. Sherratt and Klinberg, I feel like, are probably more realistic. I'd, I'd rather have a D, man. D are more important in play. I'm telling you, D. Especially, especially with uh, with what's his name, Carlos' injury history in the last whatever. X we have this. We have offense. We have the skills up front. We have the power play unit. We have the skill guys. We have the depth guys. We need somebody who can match McAvoy in minutes and like eliteness, but they don't, yeah. that's the hardest thing to find in the NHL is those guys. So I don't know how. You... I mean, what about Ristolainen? Do you think they, the Flyers would give up Ristolainen? Yeah. His name's been thrown out there and uh, on various different deals. He's kind of, they asked him right when he first got heard about it and he goes, uh, like, do you mind that your name's being thrown out there? And he goes, no, I'm used to it just from, <laughs> Everything in his Buffalo days. So his name's out there, and that's kind of where the Flyers are in terms of, you mentioned Giroux, a number of different guys of, do they want to move Shane, Go- or not Shane Gosses, but they just moved Shane Gosses, but they want to move JVR to, and the reason why I said Ghost was the Coyote, we were talking about this offline, the Coyotes were at the Capitals game, the Flyers-Capitals game, and the Flyers Twitter reaction was, oh, it's got to be for JVR to move his salary and all that sort of stuff of like, there's some rumors that say that the Flyers are going to be really fire sale heavy to try to really clear up their salary cap for the offseason and maybe try to make some sort of big signing and something like that to reinvigorate the team and yada, yada, yada. But it's really, I think the, the guys that they're looking, really looking to move that have had serious names, Drew's the top one, and it depends on where he waves his no move clause to go to. And then Ristolainen's probably the other one, even though I. I haven't had terrible problems with him there. Um, there's other guys out there that various people want to see gone because they either haven't been good or because, you know, they want to try to get value now or whatever. But I, I would think those are probably the two. I don't know. Like some people are really fed up with Provorov and are like, oh, move him. And I, I don't know if they'd end up doing it or not. We'll have to see how aggressive and how uh, frisky Chuck Fletcher is feeling there. But let's get a Drew yeah. deal done first. And I hate to say it. Because I'd love to see him have his thousandth game with the Flyers, but I want to see him win. That's really what I want out of it for him. You know, he says he wants to re-sign with the Flyers and all that sort of stuff. But I, I wanted to clarify that because I don't want to make it sound like I hate Claude Giroux and I want him gone. But I want to see him win. That's why I'm clarifying all that. That should be the headline of the tag: Jordy hates Claude Giroux. No, I um Matt I... Sh- Matt peed next to him once. We are a pro Claude Giroux podcast. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. I just think that like at the end of the day. 
you need like the Flyers need to build around Carter Hart, right? In exactly. theory, if he's if you're tapping him, he's your guy, he's your future. And I think Mark's point about defense is ringing home to me right now. And this is the second time this podcast this has happened that I make a point, Mark counters, and then my entire opinion changes. And I think that if the Bruin or if the Flyers want to like Ristolina should stay. If they're going to build yeah. around Carter Hart, and Car- they need to build a strong decor and, and get Ryan Ellis healthy. Yeah, and just sort of build out around that. And I think that's sort of maybe that's the right play. And maybe they're maybe they go out and get a a, a Sharin with Arizona or Shikrin, whatever that gets. Yeah, however you pronounce it. I am not the person to pronounce that right. Yeah, I agree with you that building around Ristolina, I don't want to see him go there, but I think in terms of getting value. And like assets and capital, I think is where a lot of those rumors are coming from. I would agree with you though. Build from the from the outside or the bottom out or whatever the fuck it is from the back end up and go that way. Especially when you know the identity of one of your best players is defense, and that's Couturier, who's been hurt, and you know he won the Selkie a couple years ago and all that stuff. Ryan Ellis has just been hurt. He played three games; it was awesome. And he's just been fucking hurt, and it sucks. Does uh does What's his name? Fuck. Just had it. What Does position? Phil Kessel get, uh, get the plus moving? Moving? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be hysterical if he came in, considering how much he tortured the Flyers when he was on the Penguins. I mean, Arizona Arizona might just make a meal to get deal to get rid of all this dead cap space they keep buying from these all these other teams. Like what what type of move is that as a well, team? Well, I, I was looking at this buy? the other or earlier today of just like all the various different dead cap deals. Like they just Three years after Chris Pronger played a game, they just bought his contract. He didn't play a game. He purposely didn't retire so the Flyers wouldn't get wouldn't get killed with like the four point whatever cap space, and they basically did what Tampa does. And like it was very obvious that the Flyers just kept him on long term reserve. And Arizona traded for him for Nick Grossman and sent the Flyers like draft picks for that. What the fuck is that? Yeah, it seems weird. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. anyway. Um, all right. So any other trade thoughts, rumors? We really went into our two teams. So I feel like it's probably what people wanted to hear out of us. But, I mean, if you're Colorado, are you targeting anybody else aside from the big name of Drew or anybody else, Chichurn, or I pronounce that guy name in Arizona? Like, is there anybody you can maybe try to steal out of there? Do you think – I guess it's probably a better way to look at it. If you're, if you're the, the Colorado Avalanche, how do you get these deals done? Because at least on the Flyers side of things, it's who are they going to get back? Are they going to give up guys like a new hook? Are they going to have to give up a Compter? Are they going to have to give up a lot of picks? Like, what would you guys do if you're sacking? Uh, Max Domi. I would. Yeah, there's. A I guy. would just get. I would Bring get depth. I would get grinders playoff depth, like a Patty Maroon or like a like a Clutterbuck, like somebody who just physical third line running through the glass. That's what I would. I would. They don't need any more big splash talent guys or second. Are we talking? Are we talking? We're talking Montreal, right? Specifically. Oh, I, th- uh, I was talking uh, Colorado. Yeah, I was saying Colorado. Oh, How sorry, do you get Colorado. these deals done? Sorry. If you're like, who are you trading away to make these deals get done, and who are you targeting? And that's a good answer, Mark. Draft picks. Yeah, I, I would probably throw away the picks because you clearly have a lot of good depth you've done a really good job picking up guys and you've done a really good job drafting guys but like picking up all these different dudes and seeing how good your defense core has been built from that you know joe Sackick again he knows how to get deals done and it's it's pretty impressive yeah i mean i i feel like like mark says you need 
some more grit, maybe even a Thomas Hurdle, maybe even a, a Hurdle's uh, an interesting one. Yeah, even like a, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not sold on JT Miller, but he kills penalties. He's sort of that type of guy. But he's not, Max Domi, I feel like 26 years old, fitting great. I feel like he's the type of guy that shorter, but he plays with some pop, some physicality. He can bring that attitude. Are you looking for? You're probably looking for forwards, right? Because D is pretty locked in. Yeah. Are you looking for a second line guy? Are you looking for a? I know Giroux, but are you looking for a Giroux? Are you looking for a? He brings some pop. He brings some fight and some grit. Are you looking for that, or are you looking for like Mark said? A third when you line mentioned a faceoff specialist, that's really what one of the big draws Giroux brings in. He's really good at the faceoff dot. Yeah. He can play any of the three forward positions and still take faceoffs and then slide over to a wing spot. He's done that a lot for the Flyers the last couple of years. Yeah, and then. If you're Colorado, who are you giving up? I mean, I guess they don't. Apparently, they really don't want to have to give up any of their NHL ready names like Newhook, like Compter, that kind of stuff. So I guess you're. I don't really know what their prospect pool looks like. I know there's names that are thrown out, but like I, Dude, I feel like probably, draft picks are going to get a lot of it done. As you say, you're giving up. You're giving up draft picks and maybe a third and fourth liner. You know, like yeah. trade swap drop swap third and fourth liners and hope for the best, but I think, I think Mark said is right. And that's what I said. I said that Colorado's not winning because they don't have it. They don't have the Pat Maroon type. And uh, I think, I think that's, I think that's where they need to go. All right. And like a Johnny Madden back in the day, devil's day guy just wins face offs and kills penalties. John, what, what a name. Those devils. PJ Axelson. First one that came to my mind, but yeah. PJ Axelson. Because I, I, I was watching the Bruins today, and Bergeron, granted, it's Bergeron won like 10 straight faceoffs versus Adelaide. And then the Bruins announcers were like, that's one thing that I basically copied them. They were like, that's one thing Avalanche needs. It's like a faceoff guy and a penalty killer. So who knows? That's just Andy Brickley. <laughs> yeah. I mean, JT Miller's that guy. Drew's that guy. I mean, if, if Drew ends up in, in Colorado and they don't win, yikes. Is there a coach good? Is he proven? That's, you know, we don't want to. Colorado let's coach? Start speculating. Yeah, let, let's not speculate. Start speculating on that. Um, yeah. All right, Jordy. Anything else after trade deadline? What do we got here? Well, yeah. So we, uh, I guess we can figure it off on, out offline. But uh, whenever the next time that we can get the, uh, you know, get get this going, figure out a nice frequency to do before the playoffs. Yeah, the trade deadline's what in two weeks, so maybe we do one. It's after in a that. month, March March twenty first. Oh, it's the twenty first. I thought for whatever reason I thought it was like right after the start of March. But yeah, all right, so it's in a month. But let's try to let's try to get together before then. Talk talk a little more puck. We didn't a couple Western Conference teams we didn't talk about like Mark's Kings. How right Mark was. Give him a little shout out right now. All right, enough enough pumping my tires today. All right, all right, all right, all right. But anyway. Yeah, that, that'll do it unless you guys got any final thoughts. Greg, you, you got something you wanted to say? Jeez, I'm a sister sensitive over Let's here. go Holy Bruins. Shit. Oh. Uh, Trevor Zegers stole the All-Star game, and uh, almost unassumingly, he took the face of the NHL away from – or the future face of the NHL away from Jack Hughes and Cole Caulfield out of – you know, sort of seemingly out of nowhere, but um, True. good for him. Yeah, uh, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, we didn't even talk about the All-Star game. Definitely a success. I feel like uh, TNT has been doing a good job. 
It's also weird to say that you took the future of the NHL away from those two when you have Jack Eichel and Matthews and, and McDavid, but I feel like those three guys are still so young, but at the same time, they're still so like stoic, you know, they, they don't necessarily let their personality show in post-game interviews like uh, Zegers does. No, that's such a good way to put it. I mean, same thing with Troy Terry, even to an extent like Matt Boldy, who's having such a good year for Minnesota, like he's really... Boldy. That's because Boldy went to BC, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, well, we can we can table that for next time. We didn't talk about Minnesota. We didn't talk about L.A. or, or Anaheim. So we can talk about those guys next time. Greg, Mark, thank you so much for doing this. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad we're Wait, back Mark's on the got puck a point. talk. Mark's got just, a point. Uh, we didn't talk about Evander Kane and Edmonton firing their coach either. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, we didn't even talk about McDavid and fucking Dreitzeidel, uh and their whole squad. But, um, yes, we got a lot to talk about next time. We'll figure out when we're going to do it. Boys, I appreciate it. And that'll do it for this episode. Make sure that you subscribe to the bullpen cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your pods, smash that subscribe button. Give us a five star review. Give you a nice shout out on the show, but that'll do it for Greg Piatelli and Mark Higgins. I am Jordy Cannell. Have a great week. Maybe we'll be back later this week with, I don't know, maybe baseball news, maybe a Super Bowl wrap up. Matty D said he wanted to try to do something, but that is it for right now. And enjoy the hockey. Go Bees.